3: And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to our program live on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. You can get the app right now by going to the iTunes or Google Play stores. Search WSBT radio with the app. You can listen to us live or you can also check out our on demand section. We've got the Twitch app rolling right now. A video feed of the program available on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you had a terrific Friday. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this September 15th of 2023. It is Notre Dame game day eve. You're 3-0. Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. They've got a matchup. With the Central Michigan Chippewas tomorrow at Notre Dame Stadium, a sold-out crowd will be in the house that Rockne built for the matchup. Between the Irish and the Chippewas, Notre Dame a comfortable 34-and-a-half point favorite over Central Michigan, who lost at Michigan State in their opener 31-7. And then a rip-roaring, nail-biting 45-42 45-42 win on a game-winning field goal as time expired as they beat a pretty good FCS school, but still an FCS school, the New Hampshire Wildcats. So the Chippewas in town, if you're from out of town, welcome back to South Bend. Great to have you with us, and hopefully you will see a terrific ball game tomorrow, at least in terms of domination by the Irish. And we're going to have a beautiful day for football. It looks like partly cloudy skies and temperatures in the mid-70s with a light wind at Notre Dame Stadium. It is going to be a perfect fall afternoon for some college football as Notre Dame looks to remain undefeated. They look to avoid looking ahead to next week's opponent, the number 6 Ohio State Buckeyes, who come to South Bend. So take care of business, let's stay healthy, and then let's have a whole lot of fun from after tomorrow's game up until kickoff of the Irish and the Buckeyes. There's a lot of good college football games next week. This weekend, if there was a weekend where you could probably do some chores or do some fall yard work, this might be the day. We've got some good weekends coming up. This is a dud before a stellar weekend next weekend. And one final reminder, it is Peacock Day tomorrow. Notre Dame and Central Michigan will not – be on NBC. If you're here in South Bend, WND will not have the game. If you're across the country, your local NBC affiliate will not have the game. This is that one game that now goes to the streaming service Peacock. You have to pay, I think, a $5.99 monthly fee in order to get the game tomorrow. Of course, you can cancel uh, soon after. I assume you still have to pay the $5.99, but you can get rid of it as soon as the game is over. But if you don't want to go through the hassle of adding another streaming service or you don't want to add this to your bill, then we've got the ball game as always right here, 960 a.m. And let me tell you, Paul Burmeister calls an outstanding college football game, an old college quarterback. He does a really good job. Ryan Harris does a great job of breaking it down. You won't be disappointed if you tune in tomorrow and you don't want to mess with Peacock. We'll have it for you on 960 a.m. And by golly, get up early, join us at 8 a.m. That's when our pregame coverage starts with the Wake Up the Echo Show, a show featuring Notre Dame people and personalities. Marcus Freeman will be one of the guests tomorrow at 8 a.m. Then we've got the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show with Tim Growl and Jim Arizari. They're going to be broadcasting live from Eddy Street Commons across from Five Guys Burgers in between Urban Outfielder Outfitters and Brewberger, and you can watch and listen to the show, get pictures and autographs with our guests, former Irish All-American running back Reggie Brooks, longtime manager of the band Chicago, and former Irish walk-on Peter Chivarelli. You've got former Notre Dame offensive lineman Bob Morton on the show, and former fighting Irish kicker Jim Sanson. That's at least the ones on the show list right now. Some are added at the last second, so you can check out that show at Eddie Street Commons tomorrow and live here on WSBT Radio from 9 to 11, then from 11 to 1:30, WSBT Radio live from Notre Dame Stadium for our pregame coverage. Game day sports be brought to you by Bud Light. Eric Hansen, Tyler Horka, and I will be live at the stadium. Only ABC 57 and us can be live broadcasting from the stadium. So get the latest from good old Notre Dame Stadium tomorrow. We'll break down the game. We're going to talk more about Ohio State than you would imagine. We're going to spend a segment talking about next week's Irish Buckeye game. We've got some fun topics to get to, so hope you'll join us. 11 to 1.30 tomorrow live here on WSBT Radio. Kickoff at 2.30, and then Jim and Reggie come back for the official Notre Dame football post-game show immediately after the game here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up tonight in our next segment, Tyler Horka and I spent some time on our Blue and Gold YouTube channel show Monday talking about Jared Parker versus Tommy Reese. Tommy, of course, moved on as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, went to Alabama. And Jared Parker was elevated from tight end coach to offensive coordinator. What are the differences? What are the similarities? Tyler and I talked about that on our YouTube show. We'll bring you part of that conversation coming up at the bottom of the hour. We have our Twitter question of the day, which is the best parlay for the Notre Dame Central Michigan game. You're going to hear from fighting Irish quarterback, Sam Hartman, leading off the six o'clock hour. We're going to take a look at the Notre Dame opponent scoreboard. What stands out this weekend for future Notre Dame opponents. We'll also take a look at the top 10 in college football. Again, a bit of a snoozer weekend, but we'll run it down. And we will end the show with our 10-pack of Sizzler suggestions for the college football Saturday and the NFL on Sunday. It was A rough night last night in baseball terms. I wore the golden sombrero, went 0 for 4 in my Vikings eagle picks. The backdoor cover was not friendly last night. I had the Eagles minus 6.5, and, of course, they won by 6, and that doesn't work too well in the world of Las Vegas. So not a good night last night. I had A.J. Brown catching a touchdown, which he did, but got called back by a penalty. I had Justin Jefferson scoring a touchdown. He fumbled inside the one-yard line going into the end zone. So very easily could have been 2-2, two and two, but took the collar last night going 0-4. for 4. We'll try to bounce back with 10 picks coming up at the end of the program here on WSBT Radio. And now we go into how tomorrow's game will play out between the Irish and Central Michigan. Well, first off, I'm not going to build any wild Hollywood scripts. I do believe Notre Dame will come out fast and dominate this football game. I'm not expecting Notre Dame to be asleep at the wheel early in this game with visions of Buckeyes in their head. Central Michigan might be a little chippy tomorrow. They might be a little angry some of us in the media are going to talk about the Ohio State game rather than them. Thank goodness we're not playing Colorado. We'd be bulletin board material in Dion's world. So no, there's in my mind, there's not going to be a whole lot of drama tomorrow. If there is eventually, if it's a little sleepy in the first quarter, you feel like this team is going to get it together and put together a solid last three quarters. But again, Marcus Freeman has been stressing no big picture talk. He addressed Ohio State with his team, and I love that, but then it's back to work. I like the fact he's not denying what's coming up next week. Address it. Talk about it. Yeah, it's coming up. But always deal with what is directly in front of you, and that is Central Michigan. I fully expect the Irish offense to score over 40 points. I would not be shocked if Jared Parker's crew constructed their second 50-burger of the season. Tennessee State looks a little lonely on the shelf. Let's add Central Michigan. Now, Central Michigan has nine starters back on the defensive side of the football. It's interesting last year couple of games, they were one of the best pass rush teams in the country. They put together a two-game stretch where they piled up the sacks, and then all the other games, they couldn't touch the quarterback. That's a problem against Sam Hartman if the latter is reality tomorrow. And I think those of you that felt like, I'm glad Notre Dame won last week, but i like to see the offensive line be better. Now, Central Michigan, their defensive line and scheme is not going to be as good as NC State's. So this is an opportunity for the Irish offensive line to have better communication, better use of techniques, and keeping Central Michigan away from Sam Hartman, who was sacked four times by the pack last weekend. But then a lot of other good plays happened when they didn't get to Sam Hartman. So, yes, I think we all expect the offensive line to be better. And let's practice on being better because next week you really got to be a whole lot better against that really good Buckeye defensive line. Their offense may not be dazzling right now in Columbus, but the defense looks very, very stern in the front seven. So, pass protection should be better tomorrow. Let's have a good day offensive line. Let's build and learn from the mistakes made last week. Sam's going to have time to throw the football, which means I guess we should expect around 10 players to be targeted by Sam in the game. And based on history, eight or nine of the Irish players will end up with a catch in this ballgame with the ball thrown by Sam Hartman. Now, if Notre Dame dominates in the first half, what does the coaching staff do? It is kind of an interesting dilemma, a nice dilemma to have. If you take control of this football game in the first half, what do you do with Hartman and the starters? Against Tennessee State, we didn't see Sam Hartman in the second half at all. Now, Steve Angeli came in at quarterback, and played with a lot of the number ones at the various offensive positions. I would assume you'd like to continue to have a good flow on offense. So I'm going to guess, and this is just my guess, if Notre Dame is taking control of this game and the game is getting out of reach, this seems like one of those games when you have control of a game, maybe Hartman and the starters play through the third quarter A drive into the fourth quarter, and then the twos and threes come in to finish off the ball game. But it's going to depend on how well this team plays coming out of the gate and building a sizable advantage over the Chippewas. It would be great to see Steve Angeli, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores on down the line. Get those guys more game reps when you have the opportunity. So, yeah, it's going to be one of those days where a lot of people are going to catch passes. Is anyone going to catch five? Probably not. This is going to be probably a game distributed all over the place, and if you don't play the whole game, then it lessens the chance of someone walking away with maybe five catches. Three to four seems to be where we're going to land at least early on in the season. I just love the fact that maybe there isn't a number one guy right now. We don't have Drew Pine. Forcing the ball to Michael Mayer. Now, I'd like to have Michael Mayer. Don't get me wrong. But Sam is finding the open guy and distributing the football. He sees it, and he fires it. Justin Fields of the Bears needs to learn how to do that. See it, fire it. Don't wait. I think that's the problem Milrow had for Alabama with Tommy Reese calling the plays against Texas. I'm just wondering if he saw it because he was – not very antsy to pull the trigger on some throws. But Sam, if you're open, he's going to get it to you. And it's just enjoyable to watch him use all of his weapons in this offense. You know, run game, Eric laid it out yesterday well. Eric Hanson, the publisher and editor of InsideIndieSports.com. Statistically, Central Michigan's got a good run defense. Will they try to load up and take away the running game and take their chances with Sam Hartman? That doesn't seem like a great plan, but it wouldn't be shocked. That's what North Carolina State attempted to do, and they had some success stopping the runs at time, but they gave up some home runs as well. Now, statistically, Central Michigan looks okay, but Michigan State and New Hampshire don't run the football like the Fighting Irish. So my best guess for tomorrow, Sam Hartman, 16 of 20 for 232. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. I've got the touchdown throws going to Jaden Thomas, who I've got three catches for 61. I think he's going to have some yards after the catch tomorrow. And I've got Chris Tyree, three for 45 at a touchdown. And I've got tight end, Holden stays, not going for four for 115 and two touchdowns like at NC State, but a good solid day, three catches for 34 yards. The run game, I still think Audrick Estime is going to have one of those home run type runs. So I've got him 13 carries for 102 and a touchdown. Jadarian Price, I'm estimating six rushes for 45 yards and a touchdown. Now, what to expect from the Fighting Irish defense? Well, Bert Emanuel was a pretty good wide receiver back in the day in the National Football League. I remember him with the Atlanta Falcons. Well, now his son is the starting quarterback at Central Michigan, Bert Emanuel, Jr. And Emanuel enters this game with more rushes, 38, than pass attempts, 36. Of note... He had a home run last week, a 66-yard touchdown run against New Hampshire. Now, Emmanuel is in a tough spot. He just doesn't have the skill position players needed to run with Notre Dame tomorrow. I really wonder if Central Michigan will even score a touchdown tomorrow. Based on my score prediction, they will not score a touchdown in this game. I think the offense for Central Michigan might come down to their kicker, Tristan Madison. Madison had a game-winning 47-yard field goal against New Hampshire last week as time expired. So field goals for Central Michigan, that's what I have them getting in this particular contest against the Irish now for Notre Dame it will be a little different you could argue one of their leaders on the entire team in particular on the defense is not going to play middle linebacker JD Bertrand suffered a concussion down in Raleigh last Saturday Marcus Freeman told us on Monday he was in concussion protocol updated his status yesterday Bertrand is out over the last three years no one has more tackles on the Irish than J.D. Bertrand. The guy that will probably fill in for Bertrand in the middle is the guy who leads the team in tackles this year, Jack Kaiser. Now, with Kaiser moving over to middle linebacker, you would expect Jalen Sneed and Jaden Osbury to get more opportunities at other linebacker positions. And I think there's a pretty good chance that the freshman from Andrean High School, Drake Bowen will see some time, backing up Kaiser at middle linebacker. And for Bowen, this will be his collegiate debut on the field, didn't play against Navy, injured against, actually was injured and so did not dress for Tennessee State. So probably we will get our first look at Drake Bowen. And right now the coaching staff feels really good about Drake Bowen. Here's defensive coordinator, Al Golden.
2: Yeah, I
4: was really comfortable, you know, before he got injured. So, uh, it's not going to take me long to get comfortable again. Um, I think the kid's a winner. He's tough. He's a competitor. It means a lot to him. He studies, you know. And that's usually the biggest hurdle for young guys, you know, the ability to play with poise and execute under pressure, um, even though you may only be hearing a call for the third, fourth, fifth time as opposed to some of the older guys who, who, who've, who, you know, had it for a couple of years. So uh, I think that's where uh done a really good job in his preparation and his studying and really devoting a lot of time, making a lot of sacrifices to get it right. So I'm excited about him.
3: Well, Bowen physically looks the part. He looked great at Andran last year, and now some time with strength and conditioning for Notre Dame. He is physically ready for this opportunity. Excited to see him tomorrow. We assume we will see him tomorrow against Central Michigan. Now, here's another one of the questions coming out of the NC State game. A lot of blitzes, a lot of pressure, one sack by good old Donovan Highness Somewhere, Kurt was probably growling when he got that sack. Not smiling, but probably growling. So, is this football team going to be able to pull down the quarterback enough against Central Michigan, Ohio State, and throughout the rest of the regular season? Al Golden addressed the one sack against NC State when he met the media on Tuesday.
4: Again, I don't really, I don't spend too much time on the sack thing because it's really about um, the collective mentality of the defense. Like, what are we trying to get done on a specific play and sometimes um, our job isn't to get sacks. You know, sometimes our job is, you know, to keep the quarterback in the pocket like if he's a running guy like last week. So that was, a, that was a challenge. So. Those are things that we look at, you know, and uh, collectively they did a great job.
3: Well, Emmanuel for Central Michigan is not as good of a passer as Brennan Armstrong of North Carolina State. He can make a big play with his legs. I mentioned the 66-yard touchdown run last week against New Hampshire. But with Central Michigan's inability to consistently throw the football successfully, it sure seems like Notre Dame is going to be able to dial in on that running game, and take it away. But back to sacks. Marcus Freeman reminded us that even though they only had one sack, three interceptions came out of pressures, and even though the front four did not get enough pressure that you would like, that Al Golden dialed up pressures, linebacker safeties coming on blitzes, affecting Brennan Armstrong.
2: I think we have to. You know, and and again, I I have full confidence in our our pass rush with four guys. But I think that's who we are is being able to keep offenses off balance by bringing second level linebackers, but also defensive backs in terms of the pressure package and being able to be, you know, multiple in our coverages behind it. You know, that that all comes into factor. Our defense has done a really good job. You know, again, I. I'm disappointed in the last touchdown we gave up. Just, I just didn't think we finished the game. That, that series, the way our standard really has been set, but um, they will come. The sacks will come. Just continue to buy into what we're trying to do defensively because the results, defensively as a, a big picture, have been exactly what we wanted.
3: Marcus Freeman, your head coach, on second-level pressure. Three interceptions, interceptions excuse me, for the Fighting Irish Last week, Benjamin Morrison, D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts. There could have been two more. Morrison and Christian Gray had opportunities. But the Irish picked off three. I think the Fighting Irish will create at least two turnovers tomorrow, and maybe we'll get another defensive score like we had against Tennessee State when Clarence Lewis came up with an interception and took it to the house for a touchdown. And I think we'll see a couple of sacks from the Fighting Irish in this particular contest. And in terms of special teams, Spencer Schrader, boy, oh, boy, the 54-yard field goal set a Notre Dame record against NC State. Then about, what, 20, 30 minutes later, he almost reset that record from 56 off the upright, no good. It was, what, about halfway up the upright, looked like it might have been good from 66 but just barely off the mark. Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff—they have a lot of confidence and the right leg of Spencer Schrader.
2: Yeah, I, I have confidence that Spencer can make a 60-yard field because I've seen him do it in practice. Um, but a lot of it comes in the factor of the wind. You know, what type of field conditions and, and you know, I'm in communication with Coach Biaggi. Where's the line? Where's the line? Because the line could be different in terms of the directions we're going. The line. Whichever way we were going, um, that part of the game was was right where we were at. I mean, and he said, hey, I feel confident he can do it. And I said, let's kick it, you know. And so uh, you got an option to kick the field goal or punt the ball there. Um, I think it was a little bit too far to, to go for it on fourth down. And so it's a constant communication on how we feel Spencer's m- mindset is. But there's no, there's no uh, yard line for me below 60. I, I don't feel confident putting Spencer out there.
3: And Coach Biagi this week in a media session said he has watched Schrader in practice, now in practice, but still convert a 70-yard field goal. The perspective I gave the other day, the longest field goal made in NFL history is 66 yards. Schrader was good from 70 in practice. We'll see if he gets a chance to kick a 60-yarder at some point this season. So at the end of the day, what do I expect tomorrow? Well, I expect the Irish offense to go over 450 yards of total offense. And I believe Central Michigan will join Navy and Tennessee State not getting to 200 total yards in this ball game. I think it's going to be a really good day for both sides of the football. And my final score prediction is Notre Dame 47, Central Michigan 6. And then we get to talk more about Ohio State as soon as this ball game is over. All right, 5:33 is our time Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor. And Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a Bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor by Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solidground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Jared Parker versus Tommy Reese. Tyler Hork and I talked about that on Monday during the Blue and Gold YouTube channel live show. We'll bring you a portion of that conversation coming up in a moment on your home of the fighting irish in tomorrow's matchup with central michigan that kicks off at 2:30 sports radio 960 wsbt
0: Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Ball caught, touchdown! What
3: a catch on the three yard line by Jaden Thomas.
0: Budweiser's weekday sports feed.
1: Caught on the one yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career.
4: Goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out.
0: On Sports Radio 960
4: WSBT. Setting up Estadio over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame.
3: Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday sports speed on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett. Every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I join Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka, for a conversation on Notre Dame football on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. We take questions from Fighting Irish fans. And one of the questions this week was how similar is the Notre Dame offense with Jared Parker in charge compared to when Tommy Reese the last few years was running the Fighting Irish offense.
5: You can't fault a guy for wanting to go to Alabama, but that was February this is September, and what we saw in fall camp, and now what we've seen through two games for Alabama, Notre Dame's got a better offensive situation right now than than Alabama has. I mean, the wide receiver recruiting is great. The running back recruiting is great. Um, Notre Dame has always been built as offensive line you. So yeah, you've got these big mountains that go to the NFL regularly coming out of Alabama, sure, but you've got some of those at Notre Dame as well. So it, it's kind of tough to see, like if you're a diehard Tommy Reese fan, which I'm sure there's a small faction of Notre Dame Notre Dame fans who are, probably kind of feel bad for him and say, "Man, I, I wish we still had him." Type of thing. But now let's shift gears and get into the conversation. Uh, Coop Dog put on the message board, "What does this Notre Dame offense look like without Tommy Reese? Is it similar to what Tommy Reese did at Notre Dame?" And I think that's the I think that's the answer. It's yes. You still see a lot of Tommy Reese slash Notre Dame principles with Jared Parker calling plays than that you saw with Tommy Reese himself. And you're still seeing duo. You're still seeing a lot of counter. You're still seeing a lot of reliance on the big guys up front to get the job done. Drew Pine, I don't know what it is. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But what did he average, Darren, last year? Like maybe 20 passes a game, 25 passes a game, somewhere in there? I would say so. how many did Sam Hartman throw, need to throw to beat NC State? It was 24. It was 15 of 24 uh, for, what was it, 200 and, uh, 286. 286, yeah, and four touchdowns. So Drew Pine had games like that. Go, go look at North Carolina, where uh, he might have actually thrown the ball maybe 30 times in that one. I don't know. But he has some very efficient games like that. And I think that is the product, the byproduct of just the way Notre Dame calls offenses. So Jared Parker has a lot of the same principles as Tommy Reese. Uh, you made a good point before we jumped on here, though. Probably working the middle of the field a little bit more. I have Sam Hartman's um, drive um, or his his passing chart up, and I'm just looking at the numbers. He threw over the middle of the field considerably more than he threw to the, you know, outside or to the boundaries or outside the hash marks. I think it was. Uh, of those 24 throws, I'm looking here, 13 of them, so over half, are in the middle. And then you had um, four to the right, and then I guess it would have been six um, on the left. So working the middle of the field is something that Notre Dame fans have been longing for, and it seems like maybe that's a big difference between Parker and Reese. You're going to get more of that with Parker, maybe? Or is that is that a Sam Hartman thing?
3: I personally, my opinion... BK and Reese didn't like to use the middle of the field, even before Tommy, it was like that. So I think there's a lot of coaches out there and I'm not saying they're wrong that just see the middle of the field as a lot of negatives can happen when you throw Mm -hmm. it with all the arms and bodies that are in that area. So you can win without using the middle of the field, but I just think it's an area of the field. You can take advantage. I see a lot of schools using slants to get players open. I think crossing routes are highly effective, especially with a guy like Chris Tyree. You want to figure out ways to get in the ball, him coming across the field, making the catch. and I mean, he's going to be at full speed heading up the field. So there's many ways to win on offense. I personally love to use the middle of the field. I love to establish the tight end in the middle of the field. So I like what Parker's doing right now. So Tommy won in his way. I personally like the way Jared's winning right now
5: yeah and i think somebody made a point maybe on our message board it's been made multiple places now uh the use of the offensive lineman's probably a little bit different with parker than it was with reese we're seeing a lot of polling like pat coogan pulled on the audric Estime 80 yard touchdown Uh really good ceiling block on, on the right edge there estimate undercuts it uh, goes underneath it and all of a sudden 80 yards later he's in the end zone that play doesn't score without that pulling guard. So that that was a big block. Uh, you see it quite a bit. Um, So I think that's a really good thing that Jared Parker has been doing. Um, and, and I think he actually talked about that last week going into that game was, hey, if we've got athletic offensive linemen, we, we might as well use them. Um, I don't know if Tommy Reese leaned into that as much, but that's going to be a big thing for Jared Parker. And then I think it's cohesion with Marcus Freeman. He says, Hey, we're going to establish this run and Notre Dame has been a very balanced team. It was pretty balanced last year too, but just because Sam Hartman's like, for example, I I mentioned the 24 passes Sam Hartman at wake forest threw 47 pass attempts against NC state last year and only scored 21 points. They lost 30 to 21 at Notre Dame. You don't have to do that. So uh, Jared Parker, it's good to see him say, yeah, I've got this elite quarterback. Maybe he's one of the five or 10 best in college football, but I'm not just going to throw his arm off and and try to win the game that way. I can win the game these other ways. So um, overall, I mean, could probably end this conversation on Parker Reese just by saying as much as maybe people didn't like Reese or weren't too sad to see him go, they were probably equally as scared to promote a guy like Jared Parker, who doesn't have a whole lot of play calling experience through three games. I think it's worked out. Has it not?
3: Absolutely. I want to bring up Andrew's comment from a moment ago. He says, I think the elephant in the room is the wide receiver play Parker realized that he had to pivot to throwing to the tight ends for all the discussion about improvements in the wide receiver room. We have a long way to go. I thought that was interesting. Of course, the Navy game, they've kind of taken away the tight end. But ever since the Navy game, the tight ends got more involved. You know, I felt like Holden stays was coming. Well, he's had three touchdown catches over the last two games. You know, I'm not sure that's what Parker's thinking, but I think it is fair to bring up the fact that the wide receiver position, I still think is a work in progress. And I'm really looking forward to watching this week's game. It's going to be more prevalent against Ohio State with better talent. But I'm really curious to see sitting in the press box, not having to worry about trying to figure things out on a a small camera shot on TV, are the wide receivers getting enough separation consistently to help Sam Hartman getting the football down the field?
5: I've seen some good things and some bad things on that front, for sure. I've been at all three games this year. Uh, It was definitely a lot easier against Navy and Tennessee State for these wide receivers to get open. Uh, NC State, things were a little bit more difficult. I think NC State has a couple of really good quarterbacks, Aiden White being the better of those two. Uh, he was kind of blanketing guys and and really casting a shadow over the Notre Dame wide receivers. So it was tough. I mean, you're going to see that against the better team. So How State's got really good athletes on the outside. Uh, even Clemson, uh, I know they didn't look good against Duke, but athletes. Um, and, and then Duke beat Clemson. So that's going to be a tough game for Notre Dame's wide receivers as well. But the thing for me, and, and I agree with Andrew here when he says that the wide receivers have a long way to go, man, I was really beating that Thomas you know, drum and, and really on that hype train. And for him to just kind of no-show in a game, you can't have a wide receiver one no-show to me. And, and Marcus Freeman said Monday, he said today, yeah, any, any guy can be the the guy on any given play, and that's good – for our offense. And I, and I, I agree as well, but I mean, maybe there's going to be some games down the line and there are where Notre Dame's not going to win by 21 points and Notre Dame's going to need to sustain a drive, like in like when the pressure is on and and when it matters, Notre Dame still didn't really have to do that at NC state. I know you have the two minute drill, but that's different. It feels different. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm talking late game, Notre Dame is either trailing or it's tied, and the the outcome of the game is going to come down to what Notre Dame does on a particular drive. That's when you need Jaden Thomas to like get three targets and maybe have a couple catches if he is your wide receiver one. Uh, Tobias Merriweather's one catch can't be where he's kind of open them across the middle of the field and he's running like he's got to be targeted more than that. And he's uh, he was targeted twice in that game and that was one of his targets. So. Uh, to to uh, Andrew's point, I, I agree. I, I think potential is very high for these Notre Dame wide receivers, but consistency is probably not all the way there yet.
3: That's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at blueandgold.com, and you can watch and listen to Tyler and I every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time live on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: I'm Darren Pritchett back with you on WSBT Radio. It is 5:55. Our Twitter X question of the day from Thursday. Now, during the offseason, a Twitter question of the day that I asked was, what would Notre Dame football's record be against the so-called Big Three on their schedule? Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. You all voted, and the winning vote was the Irish would go... 1-2 and against the Buckeyes, the Trojans, and the Tigers. So what you have seen so far this year from the Irish, as well as the Buckeyes, the Trojans, and the Tigers, how would you answer that question now? What do you think Notre Dame's record will be now against the big three, Ohio State, USC, and Clemson? So here's how things wrapped up. Coming in 4th place in the voting, getting only 3.1% of the vote, the Irish would go 0-3. 3rd place in the voting was the winning vote last time. Not anymore. Only 46 this time went with 1-2. 2nd in the voting, the Irish record against Ohio State, USC and Clemson. 30.8% went with 3 and 0. But a lot of ones and twos became twos and ones because according to you, the Irish will go two and one against Ohio State, USC and Clemson. That got 61.5% of the vote. I can't blame you. I had 10 and 2 at the start of the year and I had the Irish going 1 and 2. I feel good about at least 2 and 1 at this point. I think as of right now and it changes, it fluctuates. The more data we get, but to me USC looks like the toughest of the 3 right now, followed closely by Ohio State. Clemson's going to get better. They've not been at their best early. They'll be a different team come November when the Irish head down to Death Valley. That's a very winnable game right now if this team plays to its capabilities. So we thank you for voting. So now 2-1 is your thought. The Irish record against Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. And now for today's question. It's my Friday, Notre Dame game day eve question. And folks, we're 0-3 so far, trying to find the perfect parlay for the Notre Dame game. Let's see if we can break through this week. So what is the correct parlay for Notre Dame-Central Michigan? Choice number one, Notre Dame laying 34.5 and the over-under total points over 51.5. Second choice, Notre Dame minus 34.5 and under 51.5 total points. Choice number three, you're going to go for the points. The Chippewas plus 34 and a half and an over of 51 and a half. And then Central Michigan plus 34 and a half under 51 and a half. We'd love to get your opinion. Let's pick the right parlay this week. Vote right now at Twitter X. My account is 960 Sportsbeat. We've got a timeout coming up here, including a sports update. Then when we get the 6 o'clock hour started, you will hear from fighting Irish quarterback Sam Harmon asked about the Heisman Trophy this week. How did he respond? Probably like you would expect, but you'll hear his comments in just a little bit. Also later on next hour, let's check out the Notre Dame opponent scoreboard and also the other nine teams in the top 10. Who do they face tomorrow? And we'll wrap up the program with a 10-pack of Sizzler picks. We've got two Notre Dame picks, three other college football, and I've got five National Football League plays to talk about. Some of them are ugly. You're thinking, what in the world is he picking? But it's overreaction odds for Week 2. What you saw in Week 1 may not be what you see in Week 2. Those picks are coming up at the end of next hour. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Irish. And tomorrow's matchup with Central Michigan. Pregame at 8 a.m. Kickoff at 2.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. A
0: Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
3: Once again, for those of you coming to town for the football game if you have arrived, welcome to South Bend. We've got Notre Dame football tomorrow against Central Michigan, 2:30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. If you're tailgating, driving around town, mowing the yard, whatever, put on your headphones. We'll have pregame coverage starting at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. You can always stream us at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. For Mishawaka caveman fans, your football team is down at the rock pile tonight taking on Plymouth in an NLC matchup, the caveman 3-1. Overall, Plymouth is 2-2. You can hear the game on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Brian Miller, Scott Bovenkirk will have the call. Pre-game coverage at 6.40. Opening kickoff for Mishawaka and Plymouth is 7 o'clock. All right, the Irish football team on offense, 47.7. Points per game against the first three opponents, Navy, Tennessee State, and North Carolina State. I've got the Irish scoring 47 tomorrow, so they're right at that number that they've set so far this year. And what a difference Sam Hartman makes. Having an elite veteran quarterback just takes the offense to another level. And they needed Sam to be good last week to get out of Raleigh with that victory over North Carolina State, first-year play caller and offensive coordinator is Jared Parker. How would he assess the offense through the first three games?
1: Well, like anything, there's always you're either you, you have to continue to grow and get better. Coach Freeman and I talked about it to our team today. Like we have to. That's what a team does. A good football team becomes a great football team by getting better week in and week out. No different for Sam Hartman or any of our guys on offense. Um, what does that look like? It's continuing to, to define the details of what it is to make each of our plays work but also then there's little just details of him that he does with Coach Godouli, whether it be getting away from center in our under center packages, how we carry out our fakes, how we alert calls, how we push our IDs, all the things that it takes to be a great quarterback. So um, not to dodge the question, it's just all the little details that make it go and in our entire offense has got to get better each week for us to get where we want to be at the end of the season.
3: All right, there's Jared Parker talking about this Fighting Irish offense, more from him coming up in a moment. As we've documented over the first three weeks and as we guessed on the program during the offseason that there may not be that number one wide receiver this year. Mark Hartman was going to distribute the football all over the place. That's exactly what has happened so far this year. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman.
2: I I love what we're doing, the ability to spread the ball out. You know, uh, last year you, you look at almost a Michael Mayer effect, right? It was, hey, if Michael Mayer single coverage, you're going to Michael Mayer. I think the ability for us to to really go through a progression, you know, it, it, it really puts the defense at a disadvantage because you can't just double cover one guy. And and that's the great thing about the weapons we have at tight end, at wide receiver, in the back. But we're using our backs, too, in the pass game. Uh, we're able to go through a progression and, and not just say this is the go-to guy. Um, and, and I think that's a reflection of how you see the ball being spread around. And so uh, you're, you're going to be the guy when the ball comes your way. But you always have to anticipate the ball is coming your way. And I think that's the beautiful part about how we're playing offensively right now is that everybody in any, uh, anybody on any play has a chance to get the ball thrown their way.
1: Yeah,
3: Jaden Thomas was as close to the guy over the first two games, but no catches against North Carolina State. It would Holden Stays' opportunity to shine with the most targets five, the most catches four, the most receiving yards one fifteen, and two receiving touchdowns against North Carolina State. Holden Stays has arrived, bringing just another opportunity to have another quality tight end on this Fighting Irish Football team to keep their tradition going. Now, the one thing from Saturday that many of you have been talking about at the Barbershop, on social media with your buddies, is the pass pro. Four sacks of Sam Hartman last week. couple of fumbles, lost one. Marcus Freeman on the fixes for the pass pro.
2: Well, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of different things, right? You look at, um, you know, I think Sam was sacked four times. But it's not all, just... Pass protection. It's the routes. We got to make sure that we're, we're, our details are corrected in the routes. We're, we're, we're on the same page as you know, we got an option route, this guy running out or running in, and, and everybody's detailed out um, the technique of, of pass protection. Sam getting the ball out of his hands. Or sometimes, you know what? You go against a good defense. They have some good pressure packages. And, and one or two that I kind of said, hey, we might need to look at this defensively. I mean, it was really good that um, they were able to do that. And so, it's not one specific person, one specific position. It's a, a group. As a collective group, we have to continue to improve in, in all aspects but pass protection.
3: Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Well, one thing we have found out over the last two ball games, Marcus Freeman is not afraid to call timeouts late in the first half with the opposition in scoring range. He wants to get the football back. To his veteran quarterback and he expects that offense to go down the field and i would assume that marcus is expecting seven points to go up on the board and that's what they have done the last two saturdays and marcus talked about the confidence he has in the fighting irish offense in their two-minute drill
2: we do two-minute drills every week in practice right and and that's why you work it. You put different situations, different time on the clock, different timeouts, you move the ball. Is it two-minute before half, two-minute at the end of the game? That builds confidence in the coordinator and that builds confidence in the players. And so um, the offense always doesn't win in practice. But um, I have a lot of confidence in Jarrett Parker as our offensive coordinator, in the guys that we have on that field in a two-minute situation really, man, and throughout the, the whole game. Like, we have a great coaching staff. We have a great coaching staff. And we've got a great group of guys that. I mean, it's a privilege to work with these guys. Like, we work together. It's a team. And um, there's some great minds amongst these coaches staff. And uh, the ability for, to create a culture where guys feel empowered, right, to speak to. It's not just blind obedience. Like, that's what I love about this coaching staff, because you hear great ideas. It's not just the coordinators. Great ideas from, from all 10 assistant coaches. And guess what? The, I get input as the head coach. Right? I get input, input from the great minds that we have, and so it gives me a lot of confidence working with this coach and stuff.
3: All right, there's Marcus right. Freeman on that two-minute drill that has worked so well for the Fighting Irish the last couple of weeks. Finally, here's Offensive Coordinator Jared Parker discussing how the defense has helped the offense, in particular last week against North Carolina State, three interceptions by the Fighting Irish defense setting up Parker's crew.
1: I mean, it's critical. You know, our team, um, sometimes you don't get to feel the emotions of things when you're up in the box like uh, we are and I am up there, but you can feel that thing when things like that happen, it ignites your entire football team. We play great complimentary football and what our defense was able to do, not only in creating havoc and turnovers, but also doing that in their side of the field, which clearly led to uh, points for us and two possessions for sure, and um, really got us going to be able to finish that football game where we wanted to in the fourth quarter.
3: All right, so great work by Parker. I think he made some good adjustments against North Carolina State. Great work going with the unbalanced line. First play after the weather delay, and Audric Estimate hits it for 80 yards and a touchdown. NC State didn't fit it, and they paid the price as Audrick rumbled to the house for the first touchdown of the ball game. The first touchdown, but that was the first of a handful for the Irish as they put up 45 points. And Raleigh, Well, this offense begins with their quarterback, Sam Hartman, the 24-year-old. His numbers through three games, I think what you would expect coming into the year, 48 of 64, he is hitting on 75% of his throws for 731 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions thrown by Hartman. Now, we always have to remind ourselves that in college football, sacks go against the rushing yards of a quarterback so hartman nine rushes for minus 13 but has that somersault touchdown against tennessee state well sam met the media this week he doesn't meet the media every week so we are fortunate to hear from sam after that win against north carolina state and prior to central michigan and one of our media members asked sam about his name popping up on heisman hopeful Lists. this isn't the wrong soundbite. This is him answering the question, and no surprise, he's going to push the credit elsewhere.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, up front, our guys are playing really well. Um, and, I, and I think the the tight ends obviously had a huge day. You know, you got guys, you know, making plays on the outside. And then obviously, Audrick, um kind of opened that game up for us. And, and outside, receivers made a lot of plays. Tobias had a big catch, right? CT had a huge catch. And, and that puts me into those conversations. Um, but all that is is all washed without, you know, everybody around me. You know, GP calling the plays, you know, being there on the sideline. Coach Freeman giving me the opportunity. Um, but, again, I, I not that I've – I've been in this situation before, right, at, at Wake and, and those different things. And, yeah, you, you see it, you hear it. But – Again, there's no uh, there's no me in, in all those conversations without up front on the outsides, right in the trenches. Those guys going to war for me, and, and shoot even the scout team guys, even um, you know Alexa with nutrition. Like all those things go into play for me, and um, all those different things are um, are huge for us to um, you know make sure that you know I'm healthy and, and the team has success.
1: Sam, what has the experience overall been like for you? Obviously, not only are you guys having the success on the field, but obviously that spotlight grows brighter when you're at Notre Dame, especially as the quarterback in Notre Dame. Kind of what has the experience been like in terms of maybe what you expected to what it's been as a reality?
6: Um, I kind of, I mean, it, I look back at um, when I we had a L.A. kind of Notre Dame uh, immersion program, and, and Jimmy Clausen and I were talking for a while uh, at one of the events, and, you know, he talked about, um, you know, just Enjoying the moment, and you won't really ever know um, how big of an outreach you have as a quarterback at Notre Dame um, until you're out of it. Um, and so I, I know it's it's um, it's ramping up. It's it's been cool to be a part of, but um, not not to whatever. But it's uh, you know something that if you start you know buying into it and um, really selling your soul to the to kind of that fame and that spotlight, it, it'll go pretty quickly and pretty fast. Um, playing for six years, right? You can you can get caught up in it. You can get lost in it. Um, but it, it's really just about the team. I think um, one of the biggest themes in my head is just how, how much fun it is to be out here and be a part of, of Notre Dame football's team, the 2023, 2024 football program. And, and what we are about, what, you know, the identity of our offense, um, the identity of our defense, and just the team as a whole and what Coach Freeman's been pushing for us. Um, it's just been um, very exciting very just fun and humbling to be a part of a a group of men that come out here every single day and give everything. And if you're not ready to go, you're going to get exposed on the practice field. And um, it's definitely carried over to the the game field.
3: The very humble Irish quarterback, Sam Hartman. You look at the distribution of catches so far this year, six players have at least five catches. No one has any more than eight. Jaden Thomas has eight catches for 125 at a touchdown. His reception total is matched right now by freshman Jaden Greathouse. He's been targeted eight times, eight catches, 113 yards, and a team-leading three touchdowns. That throw by Hartman to Greathouse at NC State was an NFL-caliber throw, as Sam put it, only where the receiver could make the catch. It was a laser in a perfect spot in Great House, made the play. Chris Tyree, now a full-time receiver. He has the most receiving yards on the team with 128, and he has six catches, including one for a touchdown. Then you've got out of the backfield, Andre Estime, five receptions for 55, and then the two tight ends check in, each with five catches, Mitchell Evans, 5-for-63. Holden stays, 5-for-119. He's also tied for the team lead with Greathouse with those three touchdown catches. One against Tennessee State, two more against North Carolina State. The Irish will take on a Central Michigan defense that gave up 31 any slancing to Michigan State. Sparty had their way with the Chippewas in the second half. And then last week against a good FCS team, but... NFCS team in New Hampshire, and Central Michigan needed a last-second field goal to win it. They gave up 42 points to the Wildcats, winning 45-42. So based on the 73 points they've allowed in their first two games, and now they're taking on an Irish team averaging 47 the resistance does not seem very strong from that Chippewa defense that returns nine starters. But as we all know, just because you return nine doesn't mean necessarily that's a good thing. Chippewas have their hands full with the Irish offense tomorrow. It is 626. I'm Darren Pritchett, Budweiser's Weekday Sportspeed on the air for another 34 minutes still to come. We have our 10-pack of Sizzler picks as we'll take a stab at two Notre Dame lines, three college football plays, and five in the NFL. Coming up next, let's take a look at the Notre Dame opponent scoreboard, what the schedule's going to look like this weekend, and also, it's never too early to think about big-picture items, despite being only three games into the season. Let's take a look at the other nine teams joining Notre Dame in the AP Top 10, what their schedule looks like tomorrow. That's coming up as Budweiser's weekday sports speak continues on this Notre Dame game day eve. You can catch the Irish and the Chippewas tomorrow at 2.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: in
4: favor of uh, execution maybe maybe our entire team needs to be
0: executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now.
3: Uh, Here at Notre Dame
1: to have a chance to play these kind of teams you have an opportunity to jump up and and maybe in some ways be a spoiler.
0: Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford.
1: You want to ask me a question about Stanford? I'm all ears. I'll pass.
0: On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: And most of the football players, who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell.
3: Words to live by. 634 at WSBT Radio. A pleasant good evening. I'm Darren Pritchett wrapping up the week here on WSBT Radio. Once the Irish take care of business against the Chippewas tomorrow. Hey, let's have some fun next week. It's one of those weeks. I'm doing air quotes. Those weeks, Ohio State, number six, Notre Dame, number nine. Crazy crowd will be coming to Notre Dame Stadium next Saturday for that prime time matchup. It's going to have a playoff feel Really looking forward to it. Buckeyes and Irish, two of the colossal names in college football coming together for a second consecutive year. The Buckeyes took down the Irish in that week one matchup at the Horseshoe last year. Now a chance for the Irish to return the favor and put in their back pocket a massive, massive victory for hopefully what will be a building College football playoff resume, but I can talk about Ohio State. Players and coaches have to focus on Central Michigan tomorrow. Let's take a look at what's happening with the Fighting Irish opponents this weekend. Well, Navy has already played. They beat Wagner last week. This week, they went to Memphis for an American conference game. They were an 11-and-a-half-point dog on the road against the Tigers. Navy hung tough. Memphis won 28 23. The midshipmen are now 1 2. North Carolina State, after losing to Notre Dame at home last weekend, they get VMI in Raleigh. It's a 2 o'clock kick tomorrow. Ohio State, their tune up for the Irish. They'll take on the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. Buckeyes are 2-0. They beat Youngstown State last week, 35-7. Actually went to Western Kentucky's campus two summers ago for a baseball game. Summer baseball. And I always wonder why they called the Hilltoppers. Well, having been with the South Bend Cubs in Bowling Green to take on the Hot Rods, that's kind of the part of town that is not up in the air like The campus of Western Kentucky, they are truly up a big hill, and that's why they're the Hilltoppers. Doesn't explain their wacky mascot, but it's actually a nice little campus. Pretty cool football stadium as well. Ohio State, Western Kentucky tomorrow at 4 o'clock. The Duke Blue Devils, a team looming after Ohio State for the Irish. The Blue Devils are 2-0. They will take on the Northwestern Wildcats who were kind of a pick'em and an underdog for a while against FCS UTEP last week. UTEP led 7-0, Northwestern won 38-7, Northwestern at Duke at 3-30. Jeff Brahms putting together a really good Louisville offense, a familiar foe for him. The former Boilermaker head coach will take on Indiana at Lucas Oil Stadium at noon tomorrow. USC is 3-0. Their offense is scorching hot. They'll eat cheeseburgers on the couch on Saturday. Southern California is idle. There are unhappy Pittsburgh Panther fans with their quarterback. Phil? Phil Dracovic? Oh, yes. There's already some disgruntled Panther fans with their new quarterback. Pittsburgh's 1-1. They will travel... Till Morgantown. That won't be very rowdy. Pittsburgh at West Virginia. And in prime time, the Mountaineer fans will have all day to get all nice and warm with their beverages. Heck, if the game's at noon, they probably would still be the same way in Morgantown. The Clemson Tigers are 1-1. One one. A little shaky in the first half against Charleston Southern before pulling away. 1-1 one one Clemson hosting Florida Atlantic at 8 o'clock. Wake Forest is 2-0. Oh. Old Dominion's been down the last couple of years. Wake Forest on the road against the Monarchs at noon. And Stanford will take on Sacramento State. Stanford 1-1. One one, they got clobbered by USC last weekend. Now they'll take on their new coach's old team, Sacramento State, at 8 o'clock down on the farm. Notre Dame, ranked number nine in the country. Other top ten teams this week, the two-time defending champs, the Georgia Bulldogs, number one in the country. They'll be between the hedges in Athens. They'll take on Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Uga and the Bulldogs favored by 27 and a half, 3.30 kickoff. In an old CCHA matchup, it's Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. Still no Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for the maize and blue. But they have J.J. McCarthy. That's the important thing. 7.30 kickoff at the big house. Michigan favored by 40 and a half. Number three, Florida State routed southern Mississippi last week in Tallahassee. Now they go on the road for an ACC game in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. Jordan Travis and the Knowles favored by 26. Early noon kickoff for the Seminoles in the Northeast. The number four, Texas Longhorns, fresh off that great win in Tuscaloosa over Alabama, 34-24. Texas back in Austin to take on the Cowboys. Not the Dallas Cowboys, but the Wyoming Cowboys. Texas by 30, eight o'clock kickoff. I mentioned USC number five, their idol. We talked about Ohio State. We'll move along to number seven, Penn State. The Nittany Lions on the road to Shambana to take on the Fighting Illini. Penn State laying 14 and a half as a road favorite against the Illini. And that'll be a noon kickoff At Memorial Stadium. You've got Washington at Michigan State. We'll talk about this game in our sports wagering segment in our next segment. Washington taking on a distracted, I'm sure, Michigan State team. Huskies favored by 16 and a half on the road, five o'clock kick. You've got Tennessee at Florida. Man, years ago, that was must see TV. It's been a while since it's been must see TV. Could Florida surprise Tennessee? Volunteers by six and a half in Gainesville. How often do the Gators get points in their home stadium? That's a seven o'clock kick. And you've got Alabama. Maybe Tyler Buckner is the starting quarterback. That's the report. Crimson Tide, a rare, and I do mean rare. A unicorn game on the road against a non-conference opponent. Bama at South Florida. Roll damn tide. Favored by 33. It's a 3.30 kickoff. And, of course, we've got the Irish and Central Michigan tomorrow at 2.30. Let's make some picks. A 10-pack of Sizzler selections next on WSBT. (laughs)
1: Show me the money. <laughs> We go with We go and,
3: and we wrap up Budweiser's weekday sports beat by talking some sports wagering. And last night was one of those nights 0 for 4, including the backdoor cover. I had the Eagles minus 6.5 against the Vikings. And the Vikings scored that. Very late touchdown. Eagles minus six and a half didn't work. The Eagles only won by six. They went over 49 total points. I had A.J. Brown in any time touchdown. He scored a touchdown, but a penalty took that away. I had a Justin Jefferson any time touchdown. He fumbled at the one-yard line. It was just one of those nights. But doggone it, we got to dust ourselves off and get right back at it. Friday means a 10-pack of picks. So let's see if we can find some winners. Last Friday, we went six and four. We'll start with our Notre Dame selections. I've got two. We'll start things off. Notre Dame, Central Michigan. In the real world, I would not touch this game at all. But since I'm in South Bend hosting a sports show, I've got to make the wager pick on Notre Dame. So again, I wouldn't do this in real life. I wouldn't touch it. But if I had to go, I got to go with the better team. I just can't sit all day hoping Central Michigan's going to do great and the Irish are going to fail. I picked it 47-6 Irish. That's a 41-point advantage. So I'm going to go Notre Dame minus 34 and a half against Central Michigan at a buck 10. Win 1909 if you bet 10 bucks. The over/under, I've got 53 points scored in the game, so that's over 51 and a half at minus 110. Now let's get to three other college football matchups, and I am very, very chalky in this portion of the picks. Penn State opening their Big Ten schedule in Shambana against the fighting Illini, who laid an egg in Lawrence against Kansas last Friday. As I've said many times, my friend, who's the Penn State hockey broadcaster and sideline reporter for football, He says Penn State is for real this year. This is their chance to compete with Michigan and Ohio State. Illinois's got some issues, surprisingly, on the defensive side of the football, and they cannot run it nearly as well as last year. I'm going with the road favorite, Penn State minus 14 and a half at Illinois. Louisville taking on Indiana at Lucas Oil Stadium. Louisville's been racking up the rushing yards and the points. Can Indiana score? 24-27 points against Louisville. I'm doubting it. I'll go Louisville minus 10 against IU. And my other college pick is Washington at Michigan State. Normally, I'm not a big fan of laying a lot of points for a West Coast team coming to the Midwest or the East. But Michigan State has got a whole lot of issues going on right now. And Pennix is throwing the ball, as you would expect, extremely well for Washington. Washington clobbered Boise State a couple of weeks ago. I think they'll clobber Michigan State. I don't like this many points, but I'm going to go for it. Washington minus 16.5. And, and we'll end this pick segment with five NFL selections. Week two is fun. There's a lot of overreactions from week one in these odds. So I'm going to try to take advantage. I'm going to start with the Bills and the Raiders in Buffalo. The Raiders got outplayed by Denver but won the game because the Broncos missed an extra point and a field goal. The Buffalo Bills, they probably have some Spurs under their saddles after losing to the Jets. I think the Bills put it together. I'm going to avoid all the negative talk about Allen and the Bills from Monday night. And I'm going to say Bills at home laying eight and a half against the Raiders. I'm taking the Seahawks and the five points in Detroit against the Lions. The Lions beat the Chiefs. They sure did. There's no asterisk, as was mentioned on the NBC broadcast. But they only put up 14 points against a Chiefs defense that isn't great and didn't have Chris Jones in the middle of their defensive line. So it wasn't like they tore it up. Seattle coming off an embarrassing double-digit home loss to the Rams. That was a divisional game, the divisional teams know each other so well i think it's a bounce back moment i think detroit wins but i'm going to take seattle plus five at minus 110 the buccaneers shocked the world in winning in minnesota in week one the bears played not so well against green bay at soldier field before the season started had i told you the bears were getting two and a half at tampa bay you would have jumped on that in a second and i'm going to jump on it right now the bears bounce Back. The Monsters of the Midway come out roaring. Baker Mayfield, a favorite. No, I can't do it. Bears, plus two and a half at minus 105. This one might shock you. I've got the Falcons at home. I'll take the point and a half against Green Bay. I think they actually went outright. I think the Falcons can run it right down the Packers' throat. Did Jordan Love look too good against the Bears. Was it the Bears helping him in that performance at Soldier Field? The Packers, I think, are a really, really good team, but I think they're a little overvalued after week one. Falcons at home, plus one and a half. And my final pick, this was also picked by Tim Murray of VEASAN on yesterday's program. I've got the Broncos laying three and a half against the Commanders. Yeah, I know. Denver, Denver. Could not cover the three against the Raiders at home last week. This is the Commanders. And their quarterback, Hal, just doesn't release the ball on time. He holds it too long. I think the Broncos' offense has success against the Commanders. And I even think they might win this game by points. So I'll take the Broncos minus 3.5 against the Commanders at minus 105. Those are my 10 picks. Good luck to you this weekend. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Has been brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. By South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for 75 years. The Mishawaka Education Foundation Granting a Better Future. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. Folks, have a wonderful rest of your evening. We've got Mishawaka Caveman football right now on 96.1 The Ton. And our pregame coverage for Notre Dame football, 8 a.m. right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.